Part three, chapter fourteen of Quo Vadis, a tale of the time of Nero. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Quo Vadis by Henrik Sienkiewicz, translated by Binion and Malevsky. Part three, chapter fourteen. Meanwhile, the sun descended towards its setting, appearing to melt in the red of the evening. The spectacle was at an end. The crowd began to quit the amphitheatre for the city through the gates called Vomitoria. The Augustales were the only ones who tarried. They remained for the sea-like crowd to pass. A large number of them left their seats and proceeded to the box where Caesar showed himself anew, eager for their praises. The public had not applauded him immediately after the termination of his song as much as he had expected. This was not enough for him. He had expected enthusiasm bordering on frenzy. Vainly now did hymns of praise sound in his ears, the Vestals kissed his divine hand in vain, while Rubria bowed so low that her red hair touched his breast. Nero was not satisfied, and could not hide his chagrin. He was both astonished and disquieted because Petronius kept silent. Praises or favorable criticism from his mouth would have afforded great comfort at that moment. Finally, unable to restrain himself, Caesar beckoned to him and said, "'Tell me!' Petronius answered calmly, "'I am silent because I can find no words. Thou hast surpassed thyself.' "'So it seemed to me, but that crowd of people—' "'Canst thou expect mongrels to be judges of poetry?' "'But thou also hast noticed that they did not thank me as much as I deserved.' "'Because thou hast chosen a bad moment.' "'Why?' when their brains were affected by the odor of blood and they were unable to listen attentively nero clenched his fists and answered ah those christians they burned rome and hurt me now what new punishment should i devise for them petronius perceived that he had taken the wrong track and that his words had produced an effect opposite to his intentions in order to divert caesar's mind into another channel he bent to him and whispered thy song is wonderful but i will venture one remark in the fourth line of the third strophe the metre left something to be desired nero blushing with shame as though he had been caught in an infamous act looked alarmed and answered also in a whisper thou observest everything i know i will write it again but has any one else noticed it no i command thee to tell it to nobody if life is dear to thee Upon this Petronius furrowed his brow, and answered as though he were vexed and disaffected. Thou mayest, O divinity, condemn me to death if I deceive thee, but do not terrify me. The gods know best if I fear thee. Saying this he looked straight into Caesar's eyes, who, after a while, returned, Be not angry, thou knowest I love thee. A bad sign, thought Petronius i wish to invite thee to-day to a feast continued nero but i wish first to lock myself in and polish the cursed fourth line of the third strophe seneca and perchance secundus carinus may have noticed it as well as thou but i shall quickly rid myself of both he summoned seneca and informed him that he would be sent with acritus and secundus carinus to italy and to other provinces for money which he was to draw from cities villages and famous sanctuaries in a word he was to get money wherever it could be obtained and by whatever means seneca understanding that caesar entrusted him with a work of plunder sacrilege and murder refused flatly 
lord he said i must go to the country and there await death for my years are many and my nerves are shattered seneca's iberian nerves were stronger than those of chilo and were hardly shattered perhaps but in general his health was poor he looked like a shadow and his hair had lately grown entirely white nero looking at him thought that he would not have to wait long for his death and said if thou art really ill i do not wish to expose thee to the perils of the journey but because of my love for thee i wish to have thee within call therefore instead of going to the country thou wilt stay in thine own house and not leave it he laughed and added if i send acritus and carinus alone twill be like sending wolves after sheep whom shall i place above them put me above them said domitius afer no i do not wish to bring upon rome the wrath of mercury whom ye would shame with your thievery i need a stoic like seneca or like my new friend the philosopher chilo here nero looked around and asked what has happened to chilo Chilo, who had come to his senses in the open air and had returned to the amphitheater to hear Caesar's song, approached and said, Here I am, O radiant offspring of the sun and moon. I was ill, but thy song cured me. I will send thee to Achaea, said Nero. Doubtless thou knowest to a copper the amount in each temple. So be it, Zeus. The gods will grant thee tribute greater than they have ever given before i would but i do not wish to deprive thee of the sight of the games o oh, bale said chilo the augustale overjoyed at caesar's return to good humor laughed and exclaimed no lord deprive not this brave greek of the sight of the games but preserve me o oh lord from the sight of these strident geese of the capital whose brains all put together would not fill a nutshell retorted chilo o oh, first-born of apollo i am composing a greek hymn in thy honour and i would fain spend a few days in the temples of the muses to beg for inspiration nay exclaimed nero thou desirest to escape the next games that will not do i swear lord that i am composing a hymn thou canst write it at night beseech diana for inspiration she is apollo's sister chilo bowed his head he gazed angrily around while all again burst into laughter caesar addressed himself to senecio and suilius nerulinus just think that of the christians allotted for to-day we have hardly disposed of half hearing this old aquilus regulus who was a great critic of all things pertaining to the amphitheatre bethought himself for a time and said spectacles in which the performers appear unarmed and without skill endure almost as long as the others and are less interesting i shall command that the rest of the christians be armed replied nero but the superstitious vestinius suddenly rousing himself from a reverie inquired in a mysterious voice have ye taken notice that dying these people see something they gaze upward and one would say that they perish without suffering surely they see something he raised his eyes towards the opening of the amphitheatre over which night had spread its star-strewn curtain but others laughed and jested at the thought of what the christians might see at the point of death then Caesar gave a signal to the torch-bearers and left the circus. After him followed officials, vestals, senators, and Augustales. It was a bright warm night. 
in front of the circus were crowds of people who had remained to witness caesar's departure all were morose and silent occasional applause was heard but it ceased immediately creaking carts laden with the bloody remains of christians issued from the gates petronius and vinitius made their way homeward in silence only when approaching his villa did petronius inquire hast thou thought over what i said to thee yes replied vinitius dost thou understand that for me also this is an affair of the greatest moment i must free her in spite of caesar and tigellinus tis a battle wherein i must conquer a game which i must win even at the price of my life this day has only strengthened my resolve may christ reward thee thou wilt see they had now reached the door of the villa as they left the litter a dark figure confronted them asking is this the noble vinitius yes answered the tribune what is thy wish i am nazarius the son of miriam come from the prison to bring thee news of lygia vinitius laid his hand on the young man's arm he looked in his eyes by the gleam of the torch powerless to speak a word nazarius guessed the question dying upon his lips and made answer she is still alive ursus sent me to thee master to tell thee that she prays in her fever and repeats thy name praise be to christ who may return her to me exclaimed vinitius then he led nazarius to the library soon petronius entered also to take part in the conversation her illness saved her from dishonor because the executioners were afraid said the boy ursus and glaucus watch over her day and night are the guards the same yes master and she is in their room all the prisoners in the lower dungeon died of fever or were suffocated by the foul air who art thou asked petronius the noble vinitius knows me i am the son of the widow with whom lygia lived art thou a christian also the boy cast an inquiring glance at vinitius seeing that he was praying he lifted his head and answered yea master how is it that thou art allowed free access to the prison i was engaged master to carry out the bodies of the dead i hired myself with a view of aiding my brethren and bringing them news from the city petronius carefully scrutinized the handsome face of the boy his blue eyes and dark hair finally he asked where art thou from my lad i am a galilean master wouldst thou like to see lygia free the boy raised his eyes even if i died the next moment vinitius finished his prayer and said tell the guards to place her in a coffin as if dead thou wilt seek some helpers to bear her out in the night with thee near the putrid pits thou wilt find men waiting with a litter give them the coffin tell the guards i promise them as much gold as each can carry in his mantle as he spoke his face lost its usual pallor and the soldier awoke in him to whom hope brought courage nazarius overjoyed raised his hands with the cry may christ restore her health for she will be free dost thou believe that the guards will consent asked petronius yes master if they knew that they would not meet with punishment and torture true said vinitius the guards would even consent to her flight all the more will they let us carry her out as a corpse there is a man said nazarius who discovers by means of a red-hot iron whether the bodies that we remove are really lifeless but he will take a few sesterces not to touch the face of the dead for one gold piece he would touch the coffin and not the body tell him that he will get a bagful of gold pieces said petronius but canst thou find trustworthy helpers i can find men who for money would sell their own wives and children where wilt thou find them in the prison itself or outside of it once the guards are bribed they will admit any one i wish 
then take me in the guise of a servant said vinitius but petronius dissuaded him from this course the praetorians might recognize him even in disguise and this would bring failure upon the enterprise go neither to the prison nor to the putrid pits he said it is necessary that all including caesar and tigellinus should be convinced that she had really died otherwise they would order immediate pursuit we can allay suspicion only by staying in rome while she is being removed to the alban hills or even farther to sicily a week or two later thou wilt fall sick and summon nero's physician who will prescribe for thee the mountain air there thou wilt join her and afterwards he mused a little then waving his hand he continued afterwards the times may change may christ have mercy on her said vinitius thou speakest of sicily while she is ill and may die we can keep her nearer at first the air alone will cure her if we could but get her out of prison is there no one in the mountains whom thou canst trust yes replied vinitius not far from corioli is a trustworthy man who used to carry me in his arms when i was a mere child and who loves me still petronius handed him some tablets write him to come here to-morrow i will send a messenger at once then he summoned the chief of the hall and gave him the necessary orders a few moments later a mounted slave left for corioli i should like said vinitius that ursus should accompany her on her journey i should feel safer master said nazarius he is a man of superhuman strength he will break the grating and follow her there is one window in a high perpendicular wall where no guard is stationed i will bring a rope to ursus and he will do the rest by hercules exclaimed petronius let him break from the prison as he pleases but not at the same time with her nor within two or three days after for they would follow him and discover her hiding-place by hercules do ye wish us all to perish with her i forbid you to name corioli to him or i will wash my hands of the whole affair the others silently acknowledged the prudence of his remarks nazarius prepared to take leave of them promising to come back the next morning at dawn he hoped to strike a bargain with the guards that night but he wished first to see his mother who on account of the terrible times was very anxious about him after some reflection he resolved not to seek an assistant in the city but to bribe one of his comrades among the corpse-bearers before leaving he took vinitius aside and whispered master i will mention our plan to no one not even to my mother but peter the apostle promised to come to our house from the amphitheatre and to him i will tell everything in this house thou canst speak openly said vinitius the apostle peter was in the amphitheatre with the people of petronius but stay i myself will go with thee he ordered a slave to bring him a mantle and they went out petronius drew a deep breath i hoped that she would die of the fever he thought since that would be less terrible for vinitius but now i am ready to offer a golden tripod to esculapius for her restoration to health ah bronzebeard thou wishest to make a show of the agony of a lover thou augusta wert jealous of the beauty of this girl and now thou wouldst destroy her because thy rufius has perished thou tigellinus wouldst ruin her to spite me we shall see i tell ye that your eyes shall not behold her in the arena because either she will die a natural death or i shall rescue her from you and i shall rescue her in such a way that ye will not know it and then whenever i look at ye afterwards i shall think these are the fools whom petronius outwitted 
and satisfied with himself he went into the dining-room where he sat down to supper with eunice a reader read to them meanwhile the bucolics of theocritus the wind drove cloud from the soracti a sudden storm broke the stillness of the peaceful summer night ever and anon thunder reverberated on the seven hills while they lying side by side listened to the pastoral poet who in the melodious doric dialect celebrated the loves of shepherds soothed and lulled they later prepared for sweet repose but before this vinitius returned petronius went out to meet him and asked have ye determined on anything new has nazarius gone to the prison yes replied the tribune arranging his wet hair nazarius has gone to bribe the guards and i have seen peter who commanded me to pray and to have faith good if everything goes well we can carry her off to-morrow night my steward from corioli with his men must be here at dawn tis a short distance now go to rest at sunrise niger the steward arrived from corioli in accordance with the instructions of vinitius he brought with him mules a litter and four trusty men selected from among british slaves to avoid attracting attention he left them at the inn in the sabora vinitius who had not slept the whole night stepped out to meet him the steward was greatly moved at sight of his young master kissing his hands and eyes he exclaimed my dear master art thou ill or has sorrow sucked the blood from thy cheeks at first sight i could scarce recognize thee vinitius led him to the interior colonnade and there admitted him to the secret niger listened with close attention on his healthy swarthy face a great emotion was evident an emotion which he had made no attempt to suppress she is then a christian he cried with an inquiring glance at the face of vinitius evidently divining what that look meant vinitius replied i also am a christian tears suffused the eyes of niger he was silent for a time then lifting his hands he said thanks be to christ for having removed the scales from the eyes that are dearest to me on earth then he embraced vinitius and weeping from sheer happiness kissed his forehead a moment later petronius appeared accompanied by nazarius good news he cried from afar it was good news indeed first glaucus the physician vouched for lygia's life though she was down with the same prison fever of which in the tullianum and other dungeons hundreds were dying every day as to the jailers and the men who tested the corpses with red-hot iron there had not been the slightest difficulty the assistant attis had also been fixed we made holes in the coffin so that the sick woman could breathe said nazarius the only danger is that she may groan or utter some word as we pass the praetorians she is very weak and lies the whole day with closed eyes glaucus will give her a sleeping potion prepared from herbs which i myself will bring to him the lid will not be nailed to the coffin you will lift it easily and transfer the maiden to the litter we will substitute in the coffin a long bag of sand which you will have ready vinitius as he listened grew pale as a sheet but withal he listened so attentively that he seemed to anticipate all nazarius had to say will there be other bodies removed from the prison asked petronius nearly twenty people died last night before evening more will die said the boy we will have to join the rest but we will delay and drop to the rear at the first turn my companion will begin to limp in this way we shall fall considerably behind the others wait for us at the small temple of libitina may god give us a dark night 
god will do so said niger yesterday evening that sky was clear again but a sullen dampness has set in since morning every night now there will be wind and a rain are ye going without any lights asked vinitius the torches are carried only in front in any case wait in the vicinity of the temple of libitina as soon as the dusk comes though usually we remove the dead bodies only about midnight silence fell upon all and only the quick breathing of vinitius was audible petronius turned to him i said yesterday he remarked that it would be the best plan if we both would stay at home but i see now that i could not stay besides if it were a question of flight we should have to be more careful but since she will be carried out as a corpse it seems to me that not the slightest suspicion will be aroused yes yes said vinitius i must be there i myself will take her out of the coffin once she is under my roof at corioli i answer for her said niger this ended the conference niger wended his steps towards the inn to rejoin his men nazarius placed a heavy purse of gold under his tunic and went back to prison for vinitius began a day filled with uneasiness excitement fear and hope the undertaking should succeed for it is well planned said petronius the matter could not have been arranged better thou must pretend to be in suffering and don a dark toga but do not miss the performances at the circus let the people see thee everything is so arranged that failure is impossible but a word art thou entirely sure of thy steward he is a christian answered vinitius petronius looked at him in astonishment then shrugging his shoulders said by pollux how it spreads and how it takes possession of human souls under its powerful influence people would abjure all the gods roman greek and egyptian it is wonderful by pollux if i believed that any of our gods had power i would vow six white bulls to every one of them and to jupiter capitolinus twelve but forget not to make an offering to your christ i have given him my soul answered vinitius then they parted petronius returned to his bedroom vinitius however went to take a look at the prison from a distance thence he wended his way up the slope of the vatican hill to the cabin of the quarryman where he had received baptism at the hands of the apostle it seemed to him that christ would more readily listen to his petition in this hut than in any other place consequently when he had found it he threw himself upon the floor and so gave up his suffering soul to prayer that he forgot himself entirely and recalled not where he was or what he was doing not until the afternoon was he aroused by the sound of trumpets which came from the direction of nero's circus he then left the hut and looked about him as if freshly aroused from sleep it was hot and perfectly still the silence was only broken from time to time by the sound of trumpets and by the chirping of crickets the air was sultry the sky above the city was still clear but near the sabine hills dark clouds were gathering about the horizon vinitius returned home at the entrance petronius was waiting for him i have been on the palatine he said i showed myself there purposely and even sat down to a game of dice anicius gives a banquet to-night i promised to go but not until after midnight because i must sleep a little before that hour and i shall go and it would be well if thou couldst be present also hast thou any news from niger or nazarius inquired vinitius no we shall not see them before midnight hast thou noticed that a storm is approaching yes i have to-morrow there is to be an exhibition of crucified christians but rain might prevent the performance 
then coming closer to vinitius and taking his arm he said but thou shalt not see her on the cross but only in corioli by castor i wouldn't exchange the moment in which we free her for all the gems in rome the evening is close at hand and indeed the evening was approaching rapidly darkness began to envelop the city earlier than usual on account of the clouds that now covered the entire horizon with night came on a heavy rain which falling on the heated stones turned into a steam and filled the streets of the city with a mist then followed a lull and after that intermittent showers let us hurry said vinitius at last because of the storm they may carry the bodies away from the prison earlier than usual it is time said petronius donning gallic mantles they passed through the garden gate out into the street petronius had armed himself with a short roman knife called a sica which he always carried when out at night the streets of the city were deserted on account of the storm from time to time lightning rent the clouds illuminating with lurid flashings the newly built walls of the houses lately erected or in the process of erection and the wet flagstones with which the streets were paved by one of these lightning flashes they descried at last the mound whereon stood the little temple of libitina at the foot of the mound was a group of mules and horses niger called vinitius in a low voice here master a voice answered from the fog is everything ready yes master we were here immediately after dark but get yourself under cover or you will be completely soaked what a storm i think that it is going to hail niger's apprehension was well founded soon hail began to fall the hail was at first fine but the stones became larger the storm swept down heavily and the air grew chill having found shelter and protection from the wind and hail they conversed in low tones even if some one should discover us said niger suspicion would not be aroused for we look like people who are only waiting for the storm to pass over but i fear lest the removal of the bodies should be postponed until to-morrow this storm will not last long said petronius we must wait even until daybreak they waited eagerly straining their ears to catch the sound of the procession it ceased hailing but immediately afterwards rain poured down at times the wind rose and wafted from the putrid pits a dreadful odor of decaying bodies interred carelessly near the surface all at once niger exclaimed i see a faint light through the mist one two three those are torches and turning to his man he said see that the mules do not snort they are coming said petronius the lights were growing more and more distinct soon it was possible to discern the flames of the torches trembling in the wind niger crossed himself and began to pray meanwhile the dismal procession came nearer and at last drew up before the temple of libitina petronius vinitius and niger pressed up against the rampart not knowing what was the meaning of this halt but the men had stopped only for a moment to cover their faces and mouths with cloths in order to protect them from the stifling odor which at the edge of the putrid pits was simply unbearable then they lifted the biers and went on only one coffin was halted just before the temple vinitius hurried towards it followed by petronius and niger and two briton slaves with a litter but ere they had reached it the voice of nazarius was heard saying in tones of anguish master they have taken her with ursus to the esquiline prison we are carrying another body for she was removed before midnight after his return home petronius was plunged in gloom and did not even attempt to console vinitius 
he knew that it would be impossible to rescue lygia from the esquiline prison he divined that she had probably been transferred from the tullianum lest she should die of fever and thus escape the destined amphitheatre on this very account she would be guarded all the more carefully petronius was deeply grieved for her and for vinitius moreover he was vexed because for the first time in his life he had failed and had been beaten in a contest fortune appears to have deserted me he said to himself but the gods are mistaken if they think i will consent to such a life as his for example here he looked at vinitius who in turn gazed at him with wide staring eyes what ails thee hast thou a fever said petronius the other replied with a peculiar broken and halting voice like that of a sick child i still believe that he will restore her to me above the city the last echoes of the storm had died away end of part three chapter fourteen